You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and we've got a, another women's football special. Um, and what a week to be doing it with the, um, the week of Taxi Sunday and the Scottish Cup final coming up this weekend. Um, I'm joined by co-host Dave. How are you, Dave? Yeah, all good, John. Uh, Thursday night, heatwave in Scotland, can't complain. Yeah, I'd love to blame the heatwave for the problems with um, technical issues at my end. Um, I My PC crashing right at the last minute, so thank you very much, Dave, for stepping in to hit the court. Um, and usually our podcast um, is dominated by two Johns, but we actually have two Claires this evening um, ahead of the Scottish Cup. We've got former Rangers footballer Claire Gemmell and we've got um, host of Celtic podcast, the is it 90 Minute Senate, um, Claire Wild. How are you doing, girls? Yeah, very well. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yep, I'm good as well. Thanks. Thanks for having yeah. me on also. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's all it's always good to promote the the women's game, and um, you know we'll also um, we'll talk about the cup final shortly. Um, but we have to start with none other than um, the last day of the season. Um, you just couldn't have um, scripted it better. Um, you know, well, it depends what side of the fence you're sitting, of course. But you had the two games were at Celtic Park and Ibrox. First of all, you know, given that years gone by. Title wins have been clinched at public parks before. Claire, um, Claire again was you, you probably are aware. Um, and to have them at Ibrickson Parkhead and have what twenty five thousand between the two stadiums, it's just just unheard of in this country now. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you can call me Game Off. It's easier, by the way. Um, that's what folk call me anyway. <laughs> but Claire, that's fine. It probably saves a lot of confusion. Um, no, exactly. Um, as you said, both being held at the both men's stadiums, Ibrooks and Parkhead, is just unbelievable. As you said, like years gone by, I've played well one titles with Glasgow City before, and you know you're lucky if you've got thirty folk at the game uh, when you're when you're winning the title. Do you know what I mean? Um, so just where it came, and even since I retired two years ago, the crowds that have been at these games this weekend have just been unbelievable, and it's I just hope it keeps continuing. To be honest with you. Does it make you jealous um, looking at it and um, seeing um, your old teammates <laughs> playing at Ibrox? <laughs> Do you know something? I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, of course, yeah. I think you'd be mental if you weren't, you know, a little bit kind of jealous of it. But it's in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Because I wouldn't want the game to still be where it was when I left it. You want it to be improved on every year. And I think each club is is kind of playing their own part and trying to make it better and, you know, promote the game as best as they can and, and obviously the league. So, yeah, absolutely. A little jealous, but more than proud of where the games came to. Yeah, and um, Claire W, in terms of y- yourself, um, obviously being a, a Celtic supporter. Now, we had, um, Leanne Crichton gave an example um, when she was on our podcast three years ago during lockdown um, that Glasgow City clinched the title at Wishaw Sports Centre um, in 2019. You know, then they clinched at but few being able to get to, um, or the option to get to Parkhead for the last two games for you I mean, and yeah. a good atmosphere created as well the atmosphere was unbelievable and I mean I haven't even been in and around the women's game as long as say Claire has obviously I, I, I was thinking back I went to my first women's football game against it was Celtic against Glasgow City at K Park in 2019 um, so, but even in that period of time that's what four years the change has just been astonishing. So there was a bit of my brain that was kind of scrambled because there's a kind of hard, hardcore of support who are there week in, week out, who we go to all some of the away games. We're at the small stadiums, you know, you're there at Dundee United away on a rainy Wednesday night in November or whatever it is. And so to suddenly be in Celtic Park with that noise and that number of people and every, like you could just feel the enthusiasm for it. It was a little bit, my I, I still think I'm processing it to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot to take in how far it's going. And Dave, you've um, obviously worked with um, a women's football team in the past and you've been covering women's games still um, on and off for a good few years. It's um, some difference is that when you get to go represent this podcast at Ibrox. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, what I will say, I was speaking to Gemma about this actually uh, the lead up to tonight. And let's be honest, it wasn't the greatest game, was it? But let's be honest, for 85 minutes, I always had the feeling it was going to be one of those dirty 1 0 games on Sunday. That's exactly how it turned out to be from the Glasgow City's perspective. I mean, a disappointing outcome for, for, for Rangers, but in terms of obviously the women's game, it's shown that it's growing and growing and growing all the time. I mean, it's not just about Rangers, South Glasgow City. I've seen like St. Aberdeen play at Bethlehem, they have played at Tynecastle, Hibs play at Easter Road, the Giant play at Tannadice, and uh, obviously, I still think we've got a little beat, wee bit to go in the women's game. I mean, Patrick Fissel, I'm going to call them out just as a general example, men's team that are doing reasonably well in the Championship just now, yet don't exactly provide our women's team with the, the package of Far Hill at this precise moment in time. So that's, that's a little bit disappointing. But on the other hand, uh, we've obviously seen the rest of the women's game, Sky Sports coming into the women's game as well, which has been absolutely brilliant in terms of that. We've seen plenty of high moments and low moments in terms of the games being on television, Hibs Hearts games, Rangers certain games, uh, which have been absolutely brilliant. And obviously BBC Scotland have, have done their bit as well. So it's been a, a very strong few years and very strong season for the women's game. And I don't know if the two players uh, agree, but I would argue that this season's been one of the best when it came to everything combined when it comes to quality on the park, when it comes to quality off the park, when it comes to level of coaching, standard of coaching, uh, the professionalism, it's grown. I'd argue it's grown 10 times higher than it would have 24 months ago, just to give you a genuine example. So I thought when the ukuleles were coming in there, but um, <laughs> in, in terms of, in, in, uh, yeah, I mean, Dave make, makes a good point. I mean, almost every team in the league um, let out the state, um, the main stadium once. You know, those who are affiliated to a main team, that is. Um, so, you know, Aberdeen had Pataudry open, Tardis was open, Ibrox Park had also been used twice, but for whatever reason, part of it, which, that was the one that surprised me then. Hopefully that's something that will change, but hopefully we'll get to see every stadium used more often and maybe next season you know could have a no fun game at Ibrox or Parkhead Yeah I don't know what the situation is specifically with Parsec Thistle I know that one of the things that I've learned a lot about the women's game is that you know I think the relationship between the women's teams and the clubs that they're affiliated with, or if you've got teams like Glasgow City who are not necessarily affiliated with a bigger men's team, that those relationships are still finding their feet a little bit and that clubs are kind of getting used to how they incorporate that into the day-to-day -day running of things. So I, I wouldn't be able to specifically comment on the Parsec Thistle thing because I don't know enough about it, but I definitely think that's maybe symptomatic of that. I'm not sure what you think, Claire. I mean, it's hard to know what's going on in the ends of, of each club. Do you know what I mean? You don't know what the discussions are. I would like to think, just given that pretty much all the clubs, not, not all of them, but almost all of them, you know, have, have kind of done it at least once this year. But I'd actually like to see, you know, Hamilton were one of the first clubs to ever do it. Their women's team have played at New Douglas Park for years. Um, I don't know if that's just out of... <laughs> basically necessity in fact that the park's there but they have done it for years do you know what I mean and then it's now great that every other kind of club is starting to follow even if it is only once a season but the more the better because it shows particularly for Parkhead on Sunday the amount of it was over double I think or almost double or whatever what they managed to get at Ibrox so it's shown that folk are going to come and watch it but it's just trying to get the right product isn't it there um, get the right kind of PR that out there to try and get folk in the door but I think once you get folk to to the game they're going to see that it's you know if you don't like it then fair enough but you need to come and see it before you know if you're going to enjoy it or not Exactly and I'm sure that will um, all continue in the right um, way next season but, um, but yeah we need to go to the title race now <laughs> I think the last few weeks a, a couple of us have probably changed their minds on who's going to win the title at least three or four times because it looks so bad to we're going on anyway with that then they get rain back in, then, <laughs> then so Rangers were going to fall away. Then Rangers get that win over Celtic, and then and then uh, Celtic be gone City, of course. And then on the last day, the three of them could have won it. It looked as though Celtic had it. It would have been their first one. 
and Fiona McIntyre and Mark Benstead and were in the taxi heading to Celtic Park and then they heard about the goal in the 91st minute and we all know about Helicopter Sunday back in uh, 2005 in the men's game 18 years later we have Taxi Sunday in the women's game just incredible where did you start with that? That that um like I, I guess minute at the end of that game, the minute between Glasgow City scoring, Rangers scoring, everyone in the stadium thinking that there was an equaliser and then it being cut off was one of the craziest minutes of my life. Like the roller co- if you can fit all those emotions into one minute, I'm not sure how I coped with it. <laughs> I think I was at the Rangers game um, watching that and obviously I knew it was 2-0 to Celtic at that point and I thought, yeah, like, you know, they're going to win their first title or whatever because in all honesty, I felt as if, although Rangers and Glasgow City could have both won it, I felt as if it wasn't the best game in the world, you know what I mean? It was a lot of kind of nothing chances, um, probably in the first half, Rangers had a lot of the ball but not really doing much with it, so it felt as if Celtic were probably going to win it and then that chance came and, and Lauren Davidson scored the goal for, for City to win the title and you know hats off to them and that's what you want is the excitement um, I think as the game wore on it was really down to probably I felt whether it was going to be Glasgow City or whether it was actually going to be Celtic I felt it was down to those two as the kind of second half was progressing Yeah I think that you couldn't have kind of the day itself and the fact that it could have gone either way to either of the three teams on the day but then the fact that like even it was literally one in the last minute or the last two minutes of the game you kind of if you'd written that you someone would have said no don't put that don't write it like that that's just completely unbelievable <laughs> yeah it just couldn't have been scripted better from the league's point of view to be fair um in terms of it's all that that drama um Dave you were obviously at the game um I mean for what I've seen in the highlights and stuff it looked as though for me because I mean, the permutations were Glasgow City knew if they won the title was theirs, but they didn't come all out attacking. It seemed to me that they were happy to just sit in and, you know, manage the game, get to whatever point in the game and then start attacking um, and, and get that win. It was almost like they had a great um, game plan, but it was executed pretty much to perfection. Well, Gable had a similar vantage point to myself on Sunday. We both probably seen the same game from the same angle on Sunday, to be perfectly honest with you, John. And yeah, it, it wasn't a game for the purists. I mean, Rangers, I, I don't get Gable probably agrees. I was surprised with how Rangers' tempo was. I was expecting not to be pass, 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 total intensity, but I was expecting Rangers to play at a far higher tempo than, than they're used to. Because let's be honest, Rangers are well renowned, especially under Malkin Thompson, for playing fantastic football and playing uh, on the front foot most of the time, especially against the war sides. Even when they play the bigger sides, they're, they're accustomed to that as well. But So I was a little bit underwhelmed by how, how Rangers played in all honesty. But for Glasgow City, uh, we had Ross Kerr touched on it uh, in the interview that will come up very shortly in this podcast, where uh, they wanted to go for the title, yes, but exactly the same time. I think Leanne Ross wanted to be astute in the way she implemented her game plan and the aspect of if she put too much bodies forward, it could have succumbed to defeat the rotten way and uh, another title goes uh, grasping away from Glasgow City and start to go away, go away. So I think from Leanne Ross, I think she was very astute in terms of what she did and she soaked up the pressure and uh, she brought on a few subs. She brought on, the uh, was it the young... Uh, the young player from South Africa, was it Claire Gable? Was it the South African player they brought on? Uh, at what point in the game? Uh, about 10 minutes to go. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking oh my God, I heard my memory going now as well. Yeah, uh, they made a sub anyway, was it uh, Kozak? Ah, Kozak, that's the one, Kozak, sorry, yeah. And she made a difference and then obviously uh, they, they got a lot of bodies forward and uh, let's be honest the winning goal there's been a lot of hype on social media about that winning goal uh, you can look at either way you want but exactly the same time the way I look at it and I was going to speak about this from a neutral perspective Glasgow City we picked Rangers off and then the ball came to Davidson who had a bit of time before galloping the ball past uh, Fife so uh, it was a good finish as far as Davidson's concerned but uh, yeah for Rangers it's, a, it's slightly disappointing especially after winning the league last season but uh, in terms of in terms of Rangers they've got an opportunity to rectify that on Sunday so not always lost from a Rangers perspective but 
think I think speaking of Leanne Ross, I think this title was an important one to her because she was under the, the illusion that look, if if they didn't get champions like I think it would have been deemed a failure by some. And I think it would have been deemed a failure by those at Glasgow City as well. So I think for Glasgow City they'll just be happy with how they've accomplished Sun, Sunday overall. Well, that seems a good um, time to bring in those interviews that you kindly um, got on behalf of the podcast um, with uh, Leanne Ross and Hannah Lauder. So we hand it over to Dave. Hello, I'm Dave. And we caught up with Glasgow City's Leanne Ross and Hayley Lauder to look back on Taxi Sunday. 91 minutes on the clock at Ibrox. The taxi turned around. It was two minutes from Celtic Park and the taxi had to turn around to Ibrox to give Glasgow City the league title. Here's what they had to say. It was. It was quite exciting. Finish to the day. Um, but it's been an exciting maybe four or five weeks, I think, for everybody involved in, in women's football in Scotland. But uh, it's been a, a pretty tough time for us in terms of the results that we've had. So absolutely delighted for everyone involved at this club that we've managed to, to win the title um, and just bring that trophy back home. Really tough. Um, you start to question yourself in terms of decisions that you've made and stuff like that, but I think the staff have been great. We've really sat down and discussed things at length and just tried to make sure that we were keeping everybody on track and keeping us focused in the house and focused on the task that was just winning every game that we came up against. So um, there's obviously a lot of noise going on outside of the club and within other clubs, but we've just really had to, to bring that focus back in. To us and make sure that we, we get the three points in every game. A huge relief. Like it was a big pressure, obviously coming in midway through the season and, t- and taking on mm. uh, the manager's role. Um, but this is a club that I love and means a lot to me. A lot of the players in there as well. I've I've played with them for a few years and like we've obviously got close relationships and stuff. So it's it means everything to to see them out there celebrating and just the hard work that they've put in. It's thoroughly deserved. And the first one is in my coaching career is is really something special and the fact that we've been pushed all the way to the what was it the last two minutes or something yeah, there yeah. Um, it's just been really exciting but I think I'm a bigger a better night's sleep tonight than I've had over the past few weeks anyway I'll tell you that think about it's like yes we want to go and win the title but then if you you push and you you twist at that point like we could have lost everything and lost that Champions League place as well so it was really just about keeping the belief in the team and making the changes that we we thought we were going to bring us more attacking opportunities in the game. So, uh, yeah, it was just trying to stay as focused as we could on getting the three points in the way that we were going to do that to, to win the title and to secure that Champions <coughs> League place as well. It's mm. a big moment, Ellie, in the management career to go with the title of this magnitude. It is, yeah. Um, and I think there was huge pressure on me to, to come in. Like Everybody knows my record here as a player and probably from the outside it looks easy to go and win titles when you, you do it over and over, but it certainly isn't and... Um, yeah, I've definitely seen the the other side of things now in terms of the coaching role and just all the effort that goes into that. So again, I just need to thank the staff and everyone at the club for the support that they've given me um, and helping me develop in this role in the, the short space of time that I've had it. I'm probably a lot more calm on the sidelines than I am than, than I was as a player, um, but I think you can affect far more on the pitch. So for me, it's just about trying to get the best out of people when I'm on, I'm standing on the sidelines. Um, and that's just about having good relationships with people and making sure that they trust in the information that you're giving them so I think it's totally different like I used to coach as a player on the pitch as well people will say that that I would organise my teammates round about me but just having that totally different view from the sidelines and just basically having everybody's trust. For Hayley Water, she says that her side took full accountability of what happened last season as they strived to go that extra yard. Here is what Hayley had to say on the latest success. It's definitely up there. Um, yeah, I think after like the disappointment last season, the fact that we took accountability of ourselves in the club, top to bottom, and we came back even stronger this year and to do it on the final day. Um, scary, but perfect. I felt like we were making good moves. Our final ball was maybe a bit lacking at times, and I just looked up and it was 84 minutes, and I was just like, we just need to do it now or never. Um, obviously, I got subbed, and, and Laws has stuck it in the back of the net. She's done all year for us. And um, yeah, at that point, it was just pure relief, but knowing that there was still added time, it was just 
yeah, it's torture to be honest. It just epitomises the Glasgow City mentality and character, does it? Yeah, it does for me. I think, you know, we've got, we've been knocked down quite a few times recently, and um, to come here with the pressure on us today and and show our true worth and our true character, it's just so pleasing for me. Were you told that Celtic were winning 1-0 at half-time no, and then made it 2-0? we didn't know anything about that game. Um, we just knew that we had to come here and win. Um, so it's not something that we ever spoke about before or, or during the game. Um, so I was none the wiser to that. Um, it was like a cup final today for us. A one-off game and I think, yeah, we showed our mentality and our character and, um, yeah, we were well worth it today, I thought. Do a bit of a turnaround in Glasgow City in terms of player... Uh, turned around over the past few years. Yeah, it has, and I think um, that's natural in football. Um, people get older, people retire, people leave, um, <laughs> and I think it's natural. But you know, the consistency is that we've still kept a good core group of players. Our managers here she is, but yeah, like she's been the captain for many years, and that consistency is what's seen us through. I think. Well, that was great. Um, thanks again, Dave, for um, getting the thoughts of Lan Austin here, Lords, and thanks to the girls for um, giving their th- um, thoughts to us um, after the, the momentous win. It's title number 16 for them. Um, Claire G, um, or sorry, Gemmel, um, <laughs> is that their most sweetest win, given how it was done, and also because of the money and hype that's been put in by both Celtic and Rangers? Do you mean for Glasgow City, the sweetest yeah. victory for them? Aye. Um, I suppose it would be. It's, it's different, isn't it? Because every time you win a league, it feels great. Um, and obviously with them being so dominant for so many years and then losing last year. And obviously, as you said, with the money it's getting put in, particularly by Rangers. Um, and then they've managed to come out, turn it around this year again, and then they're back on top. I think absolutely. And given just everything that they've been through as a club this year, we a turnover a manager kind of halfway through a, a season. Leanne Ross having to step in and take the team you know she's almost inheriting the team it's not effectively hers as such she's not maybe had the same input in the players you know with Eileen Gleeson being there before and then she's managed to lead them to a title but personally you know I think all three teams looking over their season whoever would have won on Sunday they could have all have looked back and seen points where they've They've, they've messed up you know or where they could have done better to win it it was, it was just such an exciting season uh, so I think from that perspective it's probably made it all the sweeter for, for Glasgow City to then overcome those hurdles that they did as a team to then win it um, because as you say it's just come right down to the wire and I don't know that you'll get that specifically I would I would imagine maybe it'll be a, a, a two leg run in the last day of the season again you know but having actually three teams involved where any of them could win it it's just yeah, it's, it's what you want as a, a viewer, isn't it? That's that's why you watch the game. Absolutely, and Claire W. Um, it, it was the finest of margins in the end um, because the, th- the three teams in terms of their head to heads were all level. You no know, Celtic and Glasgow City two wins apiece against each other. Celtic and Rangers was one win apiece and two draws. It was a similar record between Rangers and City. Ultimately, what it came down to when you look at it another way, Celtic drew with Motherwell back in January. Um, Rangers dropped points to Hearts on two occasions and Glasgow City never dropped anything to anyone outside the top three. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day when you're working with margins that are as fine as that then it it will, there's always kind of like you mentioned the Motherwell draw like that kind of, if I had to pick out a moment that was such an unexpected result that affected the season we didn't know how it was going to affect the season in that way, we always have I think the first season Fran was in charge there was a game where we drew against four for Farmington, but we equalised in the last minute. And that was always the one that we kind of like looked back on. It's like the kind of, so that it was like they were a kind of curse to play them. But um, I think, yeah, when the margins are that fine and talking about like, is it their best title? I think you can't take it away from them that all the resources have been. This this league is unrecognisable this season from how it has been. But And also they've, they, they've said themselves, you hear them say it, like, I think they think it's it feels like the best one. And, you know, Leanne Ross has had a challenge on her hands, like Claire said, uh, taking over that team halfway through. And um, we've mentioned that Lauren Davison also, it was, also um, it was fitting that she got the winning goal. Um, she's been top goal scorer all season. Um, 
I still can't believe that she never get nominated for uh, Player of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's the thing, isn't it? When you've, well, obviously at that point, you didn't know that who was going to win the league. But I think when you've had that influence in terms of your top goal scorer, so I think it was like 28 goals or something she got in the league this year. So by far, top goal scorer. Um, and then she's she's obviously won Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year for her club. So her own teammates are seeing the value of everything she's done for them. So I think it's unusual that somebody that's had that kind of impact in the, on the league is not getting a nomination. But at the same time, if you look at the players that were nominated, well, obviously Caitlin Hayes won it. You know, she's, she's had an amazing season. You could probably pick out quite a few players across teams that have had a real influence on what their team's done. And it's, I don't know, it's I suppose as weird as the list ends, but it probably is really surprising to folk that she's not been on that list. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that she's one of those players that you really, really worry about when your team's going up, when your team's going up against Glasgow City. Lauren Davison is one of those players who are, you like know that they're going to have to look out for. I think, you know, she came out, she just, her goal scoring tally just sort of took off because I think around Christmas time, she was kind of equal with kind of Jacinta and um, Clarissa Laracy before she left. And it was kind of pretty even Stephen. And you look at the table now and she's miles ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just frightening, um, frightening stats, isn't it? Um, and, I mean, Dave was, uh, I mean, Caitlin Hayes was probably... Uh, a fair enough winner. She said, I mean, she's popped up with some vital goals this season, you know, especially, you know, probably none more so than that game against Rangers in the one or draw at Broadwood in the 99th minute. Um, was there anyone else that you thought was unlucky not to be nominated um, other than Lauren? I mean, for me, I thought Sam Kerr had a cracking season. was, you know, was one of Scotland's best players as well. Yeah, I would agree with uh, Sam Kerr. Uh, in terms of the, the three players that you've went as mentioned there, Caitlin Hayes, Warren Davidson and uh, and Sam Kerr. A few outside shouts for you. Probably is it Georgia Tibbs, Hearts, who's been scoring a lot of goals for Hearts. She could have done a good shout in there. Uh, who else was speaking about? Uh, Hibs, again, Joelle Murray and Siobhan Hunter have had a very good season for Hibs. Joelle's maybe not played as much. I think she had an injury. And obviously, she's been doing a bit of coaching with, with Dean Gibson. But, uh, yeah, they've been two outside shirts for me. But apart from that, you're looking at Hayes, Stevenson or uh, Sam Kerr. I mean, Sam Kerr's a very tenacious player for Rangers. Get them all know about Kerr from her, from her time. Rangers is a very tenacious player. She's a very intelligent player. She's a player that will offer a versatility, but she's also a player that offers a complete change of direction. I mean, she could be one side and one, one minute and then the other side the expert. She offers a lot to the way Rangers play. The one thing that I don't know if Gemma agrees with me here, but the one thing that I would be a, a slight, slightly critical about is I don't think Rangers got Sam Kerr on the ball enough on, on Sunday. I think if they got her on the ball more, I reckon Rangers would have got a lot more uh, product, productivity in the final third because, let's be honest, you know it's a frustrating afternoon for Rangers on Sunday and I, I'm side, kind of sidetracking myself here because obviously we're speaking about playing the year awards but when Rangers are taking off Arna after 60 or 70 minutes on Sunday you know it's a frustrating afternoon and for me that's because Arna didn't get involved enough Sam Kerr didn't get involved enough and that's what accompanied towards a, a very frustrating afternoon for Rangers on Sunday Um. I mean, yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think firstly, Sam, she's clearly a very, very talented player. Yeah, I'm probably maybe surprised given, you know, her success with Scotland and stuff as well, that she's maybe not been on that list. But I think for me, what she's probably improved in the last few games is I didn't think she was scoring enough goals, to be honest with you. Certainly the, the early part of the season, I think she's maybe added to that as the season's went on. And, and on, on Sunday, um, I think, the thing about Rangers in general was just, I think the play was all in front of Glasgow City, which suited them. You know, you, Sam, Sam cares the type of player you need in between the lines, picking the ball up, and then that's where she makes things happen for you. And just to go back very, very briefly, you know, I, I think that Leanne Ross played a, a masterclass in her tactics. They only, they only needed to win the game. They didn't need to win by, you know, any more than one goal. So I think it was a, a tactical masterclass by her. So, you know, you need to take your hats off them.
Yeah, um, they've, they've done their job absolutely fantastically, and congratulations to them. Um, I mean, Claire, from um, Claire w, from a from a Celtic point of view, um, obviously last season Celtic won the cup double, and the aim would have been to um, win the title. Um, you know, but I mean, we'll come on to the Scottish Cup final um, in a minute. But no, it's disappointing not to win the league. But there is that. Um, consolation that Celtic will at least play Champions League qualification which is huge because they missed out on that last year. Yeah the Champions League qualification is massive it's such a you know I think players want to be involved in that as well so it's a good kind of way of maybe attracting players to the club when we maybe don't have the resources that we would like being put into that team in terms of we don't know what the but we don't know what the transfers are going to look like over the summer but yeah that Champions League place is massive um I guess that was kind of, yeah, the consolation that we kind of knew that we all we needed to do was win on Sunday to secure that. So, you know, having that two goal cushion against Hearts, we knew that was kind of in our hands. Um, and yeah, we, we, we were in the Champions League two seasons ago and all of the um, girls were in that team then just spoke, you know, so highly of the experience. And I think the more... I think Glasgow City, I, Claire, you would know more about this, but you kind of, you get used to being in that environment more and as a team can kind of get themselves into the, that position on a consistent level, then it's only going to be helpful for their development. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the Champions League is, it was massive, wasn't it? If you're not winning the league, then it was a must for whatever team to finish second. I think whoever's finished third, which happens to be Rangers this year, it's a massive disappointment. They can't. There's no hiding that at all. You know, it was absolutely first or second place you're going for. So, because just everything involved, you know, the professionalism, the, the competition, just, I mean, you look at the clubs in the latter stages of that competition, you know, if you are managing to get through the knockouts and getting one of these these teams, you know, to play, just imagine that at, say, Celtic Park, do you know what I mean? If you are getting a Barcelona, if you manage to get through and then draw, draw them, do you know what I mean? Um, so absolutely, it's it's exactly what you want to be playing in as a player. It's winning the league, something, but then managing to get to the Champions League as a result of winning the league or coming second is is absolutely what you want as a player. Yeah, and, and Rangers used Ibrox as well um, for the Champions League qualifier, and were quite unlucky against Benfica over the two legs, but inexperienced probably cost them. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it. It's, it's an experience that I mean, a lot of the players have played at that level, um, but not the entire squad, you know, and it's different. It's all right saying you've played there, but if you've not played it as a squad, but Claire was saying, you know, you kind of grow together, you, you understand how each other plays, you're used to playing in that environment. But yeah, I mean, over the piece of the two two games against Benfica, they were well beaten, if you know what I mean, even if the score doesn't really reflect that. Uh, certainly the performance did, certainly the second leg when they were away. Um, it's, I'm just amazed, to be honest, that it wasn't really, you know, four, five, six. They managed to take extra time, but it's it's just all about getting that experience at that level. If if you're not playing at that level, then how are you supposed to start kind of competing there? Exactly. So, I mean, good luck to Glasgow City and Celtic next season in the Champions League um, qualifications. Um, and I'll just go do a brief summary about the rest of the league. Um, you know, before we move on to the, the cup final. Um, and I think it's fair, it's, I mean, Hearts were obviously the best of the rest. Um, I mean, if you're talking about um, potential, if we're doing a manager of the season award, Eva Oller's got to be right up there. I mean, the job she's done is fantastic. She's had a year of transition. Um, it's the bear fruit last season and they finished comfortably ahead of a Hibs side who have been, who at one point were the um the main rivals were Glasgow City, and let alone being the, you know the best rest after us. So you've got to give credit to them. And um, but Hibs are obviously going to be having a bit of a transition because Dean Gibson's moving on. Bench, let's see what route they go. Me, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah, I mean the I th I totally agree with you about Ava Olive. We've kind of like been watching that heart side all season. She's clearly doing something right there. We, you know, looking last season, we were always looking at the kind of stats and stuff. And when, when you break it down from a numbers perspective, last season, it was very much the top three. Hibs were kind of on their own in that fourth place position. And then it was like the rest. And hearts have totally turned that on, their, on its head this season. And I know that 
Hibs have had a really, you know, we beat them 9-0 in the first game of the season. And we totally understand that part of that was because they started the season in disarray. And it kind of has almost felt like they've never quite caught up with themselves in that respect. And they've had continuous issues with injuries and issues of personnel, which have meant that they haven't been able to kind of be that cohesive unit that can challenge in the way that they have in the past. Um, but it's given Hearts and Averollid a massive opportunity. And I think Dave mentioned Georgia Timms. She's been one who we've been watching all season as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Claire, I think she's been really impressive as a manager. Um, I think the even the difference, as you said, from last season to this season, I think she's been very smart in her recruitment for her team. You know, bringing in the likes of Emma Brownlee, um, obviously Georgia Timms, players, just, just players with a bit more experience, I think, is what they needed this season. I think they'll probably look to strengthen again, obviously. But I've been really impressed. You know, you can see what she's trying to do with the squad. They, they all seem very clear on what their job is. And I think, albeit they've taken points off everybody other than Celtic and Glasgow City. I mean, you need to take your hat off to her for, for that. So I think they've been really impressive. And as you said, managing to overtake Hibs, which I'm sure was in their sights this season. That was probably one of their goals, I would imagine, to, to then be in that fourth place position. And Hibs, as you said, they've just, I don't know, they're just so inconsistent this year couldn't really get any momentum going and the, some results were really good and then others just, I have no idea, you know, it was as if it was like a different team they were putting out, but maybe we a change of manager and stuff, maybe they'll find a wee bit of stability going into next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it helped them either that when Rachel Wells returned from pregnancy, she then does her ACL after her second game, that's just so unfortunate, um, but we wish Rachel all the best because <laughs> Not a lot of luck for the Boyle family because Martin obviously did his before the World Cup. It's, um, so well, best wishes to him, especially with a couple of kids as well. Um, Dave, in terms of, we mentioned obviously Hearts and the model they brought in with Eva Now, it looks as though Aberdeen are going to go down that route as well. Um, not um, in terms of a full-time manager, which is needed for that, for that club. If Aberdeen, what, Aberdeen have been talking about wanting to you know, push on and be closer at least to, um, to Hibs, etc. But this season was a bit of a struggle. Emma Hunter um, and Gavin Beath lost their jobs in November after a poor start. Um, Gavin Levy did enough to keep them just a bit um, away from that relegation playoff spot. But um, it's good that they've announced that they're going down the full-time route in terms of manager because if Aberdeen want to compete and not just um, be content with surviving, this is what they've got to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by what's going to happen at Aberdeen now. now. Somebody suggested to me on Sunday at Ibrox that Emma Hunter could be the next Aberdeen manager again. At the time, I wasn't keen. I thought about it, and I think it'd be a good appointment for Aberdeen. Why? Why? People ask the question, why? Um, I think it's a good appointment for Aberdeen because it's an opportunity for Emma to rectify her, resurrect her management career, should I say. But also, at exactly the same time, it's an opportunity for Emma, again, a local manager, a, a manager that's that knows the players inside out, knows the club inside out, knows the youth development system inside out, knows the local identity in terms of players inside out. Uh, because Grant Scott was my pick for, for Aberdeen manager's job, but I think Grant Scott went for a good appointment, but if speculation is to be believed, he looks like he's going to hips, so that'll be an interesting appointment indeed if that uh, persists. But uh, back on to Aberdeen before I continue on to hips, and I think... Uh, Let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in Scottish football at this precise moment in time that's probably able to come into a job like Hibs and Aberdeen, apart from probably the two managers that are getting heavily uh, talked about just now, which is Dean Gibson and, uh, and Grant Scott. There's nobody else really. There's nobody in to PL2 that's hovering about. Maybe Craig Farrows at Montrose, but Craig seems relatively comfortable at Montrose, and I don't think he would go to a club like Aberdeen. With all due respect, I think he'd be fairly settled at Montrose because they've built a, a real family feel at Montrose in terms of the women's game and how they've built that up over a short space of time. And Montrose have done some great work both on and off the park, and that's obviously helped in terms of them winning the league comfortably. Uh, the, in terms of getting up to this from PL1, and I think Montrose will be comfortable. This to repair one next year, uh, just for that matter. But uh, back onto this, but to be honest, John, if they don't get Emma, I'd, I, I think they're going to England for a year, a year manager. Because as I say, I don't think there's anybody else in Scotland that's capable of uh, managing 
a club like Aberdeen in terms of what they're planning to do moving forward and also the full-time model that they're trying to implement among their manager as well. So, yeah, Emma's the choice for me because, let's be honest, Grant, it's like a foregone conclusion that he'll go to, to Hibs. Indeed, Gibson, to my understanding, will not be a manager next season. He wants to be working with kids. So, rather fascinating than that front. So, yeah, Emma's the choice for me. In terms of Aberdeen and Hibs, pardon me, I should continue on the Hibs before sticking my homegrown roots. And in terms of Hibs, as I say, it looks as though Grant Scott will be getting that job. And I think it's a great appointment for Grant because I think Grant Scott's a better manager than the first time he was at Hibs. He was at Glasgow City when they were going through, let's be honest, they were going through a big transition period at that precise moment in time. Eileen Gleeson also had to weather the storm in terms of her tenure at Glasgow City. Now, let's be honest, Grant Scott was the man that had to start the transition at Glasgow City, especially after the work that Scott Booth had done at the club. Uh, Grant came in, got some big results, all the way, didn't we, towards the title last season. But, and then St Johnston, he's grown that club in terms of the women's game. St Johnston were on their knees two years ago in terms of the women's game. They were on the high nothing because, let's be honest, the St Johnston Football Club were offering no support. And then Grant came in, uh, they got results, they got new players in. And he's turned that club upside down, and, uh, upside sorry, and they're obviously helped. They're obviously on the verge of getting promotion. Uh, not there yet, but with a bit more quality, they'll be not far away, I can assure you that. So that just shows you the type of manager and the quality of manager that we have with Grant Scott in the women's game. I wasn't sure if there's anything that you just wanted to add to that. I mean, um, Emma's obviously done some work with the um, SFA Scotland under-16s. Um, she's been doing that with Gary Doctor, so... Um, you know, obviously, with this being full time, we might it might help her better. But whether Aberdeen are going down that route, having made that decision six months ago, I'm really not sure. But we'll just need to wait and see. Um, but they had to cast the out because they were initially advertising for a part time job. And I messaged Lloyd Ogilvy, who've had in this show, to say, I'm glad that he's made that move. And she says it's been something they've been working hard for a while. And it shows that um, she's managed to convince the board to be bought into this. And yeah, we'll wait and see what happens at Aberdeen. I think that it just in terms of the league in general, a club doing something like that and kind of making that switch from having advertised it part time to putting it as a full time position as the league's progressed. And I think that everyone is starting to see that momentum and kind of understand that they need to get on board. And like if you don't get on board now that there's a really good chance that you might get left behind. So, you know, if you're in the top, if you're in the SWPL one and you want to stay there, then you're going to have to put investment. And it's the, it's little things like that in this league that are going to make really big differences because it's still like really kind of volatile in a way, in as much as, you know, you've still got Glasgow women and girls who had the toughest season ever. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the top three having Taxi Sunday. Like the differences are still so vast that I'm kind of interested and excited to see what clubs start doing to kind of, you know, every season could look really different for the next two or three at least years. <laughs> no, definitely. I actually agree with that. I just, was just going to, to say, but you mentioned Glasgow women, you know, how difficult a season they've had, not even being able to pick up a point. And that's the thing. It's I think clubs are starting to recognise that if they're not going to invest in some way, and obviously that's the, the problem is, is that not every club can invest the way that the top three can invest. So yeah. it's, it's trying to find the right funding and how you then do that. But if you're not investing, then you're going to really struggle to make any impact in the league or stay in it or even come up, you know, because you'll actually find that, that clubs below will start trying to lay the groundwork to to get up into the league where they can then remain and make some kind of impact. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next few years. I think it will be really, really important to see what clubs do. Yeah, definitely. And the, um, the more um, investments put in that, then, again, we've just mentioned that only um, on three occasions were teams able to take points off um, any of the top three, Hart, um, Hearts and obviously Motherwell. Um, but, you know, we need, you know, if it's going to progress... You need to you want to see that gap close and then see more teams taking points off the top three if possible and try and make it a bit more competitive. But it's obviously going to be years away before we do, um, they're able to compete properly. But as long as we can start building those um, 
bridging those gaps, that's um, the main thing. Uh, just a couple of things I want to mention before we move on to the cup final. Um, the um, Partick Thistle getting top six, I think it's an incredible story, um, given that they were elected into the league with 11 days' notice last season, thanks to um, for France's sad demise. And then the other big event that was happening at the weekend in terms of um, last day drama, you'd done United and Hamilton both in a playoff to avoid that. Um, it, should, it was effective a playoff before a playoff, trying to avoid that him 11th spot. And yeah, Dundee United just about got over the line, but um, Hamilton were a little bit unlucky in this game and arguably should have had a penalty in this match. Sorry, I'll just come in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> so I don't know if somebody else is going to speak there. I think I'll be it, too polite. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it was it was a big game for both of them, wasn't it? So obviously, whoever won or Dundee United obviously only did in the draw, but then it meant that they're not having to get into that relegation. But at the end of the day, Dundee United have managed to get the point, whatever way you look at it, you know, penalty or no penalty, the decision being made it isn't. So um, yeah, they're not in the playoff in Hamilton are. I would expect them to win that game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, they've been in they've been in the league a number of years up and down. They've been down a couple of times, managed to get themselves back up. But the problem that Hamilton have got, which a lot of kind of any kind of teams near Glasgow, is you're competing with the top three. So a lot of players, you know, that's what they've got their eyes on. That's where, you know, the investments going in. So it's really trying to get recruitment. So their squad's really really quite young they've got quite a young squad um, and the turnover for them can be quite quite often you know um, and then Dundee United's first season in the league and they've managed to they're not they've managed to stay up so they, they'll be delighted with just that in itself and I'm sure they'll be looking to improve in a higher position next year but it's again it's what what who they can get in and what they can do to then because everybody's going to put another step up next season it's not what's going to be even better again next year so everybody needs to keep up with that can I just elaborate Gable's point by saying I think it's going to be a tougher season next season for Dungeon United because let's be honest their catchment area is going to attract a lot of players next season Dungeon uh, United will be, have, have to be on their toes Aberdeen will have to be on their toes Montrose will have to be on their toes because Montrose have got a lot of quality just now uh, they've got a lot of players that have played the SMP PL1 for me Megan Burns is an SMP PL1 player she's been captain of Dungeon United captain Montrose Warren Gordon been there done it with Aberdeen uh, Shout Gary Amy Ridgeway Amy Ridgeway has uh, been there done it in women's game as well we've got a lot of players that are experienced and the one thing about Montrose and Gable kind of raised the point earlier on is Wanda uh, Pollard she's obviously signed from uh, Marvel back in last October and what Montrose did was they put their, her up in a hotel before home games which isn't financial by any stretch of imagination but it is more of a look we're here to look after you kind of thing and here's what you can, here's how we can help so I think that's been a good gesture for Montrose as well because it shows that they're serious and they're ambitious uh, for SMP PL1 and it shows where they want to go to uh, in terms of Aberdeen, they're going to have a little bit of transition as well, obviously, after, obviously, Gavin Levy stepping away, depending on who you imagine is. And then uh, Dungeon United will obviously have to improve on what's happened this season. And the interesting thing about Dungeon United is they're, they're, they seem to be going down the route of bringing in Aberdeen players that don't seem to be getting a game for Aberdeen, which makes the whole thing rather funny, uh, to say the least. So, yeah, it's going to be very exciting up my way as well. I'll, I'll bet that. I think the London Pollard example is really interesting about the way that clubs treat their players as well because she was with us for a bit and I think she probably felt like, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if she just wasn't going to get picked or... And then she went to Motherwell and it feels, and then she, it, it felt like she was moving around a lot. And when she, we saw her when she was playing for us and we were really impressed, I was really excited about her. And then she kind of moved on and... um it's it's just a good kind of it's only one example but it's a good example of how players are going to need to work really closely clubs are going to work, need to work really closely with players to make sure that they're happy and create these environments where they can be successful absolutely um and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the league next season so on to the scottish cup final um momentous occasion this um, particular cup final because for the first time it's at hampton we had both semifinals at hampton for the first time um and the final fittingly, <laughs> in some ways, the Celtic and Rangers. It looks as though there's going to be 
quite a good crowd. They've opened up the North Stand and I see, I think it's the crowds are now heading into the Western um, East Stands as well. Um, it's just going to be um, an incredible occasion. Um, if the weather forecast is right, and it's like um, the weather is, um, as we're recording this on a nice sunny day, you know, it will just be a perfect occasion, um, whichever player wants to come in first. <laughs> um, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think it will be an amazing occasion. I keep seeing updates of how many tickets have been sold and the new sections that have been opened. And I don't personally, um, having people come up to me straight after that weekend of the games being played the last day of the season, people who haven't supported women's football or watched women's football, or that was their first experience of it. And so many people asking questions, right? Where do we get tickets for the cup final? How are we going to get there? Like, it, this is a cup final like, like no other in terms of the momentum that both teams have got in terms of support going into it. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I actually think that the way the league finished has helped. Yeah. This going into this final um, in terms of ticket sales and folk actually want to go to the game because uh, just just with the atmosphere and the drama that was all kind of leading up to that to that final day, so I think it's going to be a really big occasion for both teams because you know obviously Rangers have won a cup, Celtic have just missed out the title, but they've got Champions League, so it, it's you know there's all to play for 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 both of them because. Celtic are obviously going to want to get their first piece of silverware for the season and Rangers are not going to want to not. Obviously, you always want to win the cup, but they've not managed to get Champions League. So there's actually so much at stake for both of them. And then on top of it, it's an old firm, isn't it? So you've got all the tension there from that. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, and we'll, we'll need to wait and see what the outcome is because it could be anything. Yeah, who do you, you think is more under pressure? Because, um, as you say, Celtic could end up trophyless, and uh, you know, and Rangers have a trophy in the bank, but then having lost the league and not getting Champions League, you know, is that a failure in their season if they don't win the Scottish Cup to at least compensate? I think there's pressure on both of them, um, for, for both of those reasons. I think no matter who loses, I think it's going to be seen as you know, it's a real disappointment. So Rangers, given that it's all that they can now go for, and Celtic because they're going to want some kind of trophy, although they've got Champions League. So I just think as a player, and being an ex-player, it doesn't matter what you're, you're in, you want to win. So I think regardless, it's going to be seen as a disappointment by whoever loses. Um, and from the fans' perspective, you know, again, it's just you want your team to win, don't you? So it, it doesn't matter. So whoever loses is the fans are not going to be happy. I kind of agree with Claire in as much as the pressure is on both teams in different ways. I think that this Celtic team like will be quite emotionally bruised by what happened on Sunday, especially just the way, obviously the way it panned out. And, you know, heard Fran speak about the fact that some of those players were coming off the pitch thinking they'd done it. <laughs> And having to break the news to them that they hadn't done it. So, you know, they're going to have to pick themselves up and dust themselves off and, and go into this. But, you know, obviously I'm biased a little bit, but this is a Celtic team who we've seen them in these very high pressure situations in these kind of one-offs, you know, the cup final last year where Jodie Bartle was sent off really early and then it went to extra time and Izzy Atkinson scored that goal, you know, and we just we just sort of went up a couple of gears and it just, it felt a little bit like it came out of nowhere. So we've seen the Celtic team do it before. It's just whether they can do it again at the weekend. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting the aspect that Malky Thompson used this week because obviously I think the timing was right for Malky to go and uh, announce when he, when he was going because had, had Rangers won that on Sunday, I don't know if he's agreeing, had Rangers won this on Sunday and then Rangers announced on Tuesday that Malky was going. I don't think that I don't think that would have been as good a timing as the announcement a couple of days ago, as recorded and obviously uh, playing a cup final on Sunday. Because it'll be interesting to see what the approach is like from Rangers' perspective. I mean, Rangers are a professional; they'll, get, they'll do everything they can to try and win that cup. But at exactly the same time, there'll be one thing in, in their head, and that's to try and get. Get something to round off Malky Thompson's tenure Rangers which has obviously been a, a decent enough one considering everything uh, involved Yeah um, I think for the I think they've both teams both Celtic and Rangers this is obviously just my opinion I think they're, they're both just very different teams I think Rangers 
will probably dominate a lot of the ball on Sunday. Um, possession, it's whether they can actually do anything with it. But something I've really admired from Celtic all season is that they don't, they do not give up. It doesn't matter who they're playing, what the time is in the clock. You know that they do not give up, and that I've actually really enjoyed watching them at points this season. Um, and I think that is the thing. So it, it's as it if they bring that, it's it's very very difficult to beat a team who have that grit and determination. And I think Rangers are going to be really up against it on Sunday with Celtic and as you say, Claire, given what's happened to them last Sunday and the way they've been beaten, they will feel really sore. Rangers will also, but probably not quite as sore as Celtic are going to feel because mm. it was almost in their hands, wasn't it? And it was snatched away. So it's going to be really, really interesting. And I think, yeah, it's an old cliche, but I really think it's going to be down to who turns up on the day. I was I to <laughs> yeah. ask you a question, Clara, just as an ex-player that... Because just talking about the timing of the announcement, Dave, I totally get what you're saying about how it makes sense from that perspective. I wondered how that would affect the team and the players kind of going into that last huge game. Mm-hmm. With, I'm, I'm sure that there, that there was rumours and that they kind of knew what was coming, but that um, that there's a slight destabilisation in the camp. Yeah, um, I think potentially knew what was coming. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that question. But at the end of the day, it's down to your individual mentality, isn't it? How how you let news affect you. So some folk react negatively, some folk react positively and take it in a way. I mean, I'm sure collectively, you know, the professional players, you go in to win a game, don't you? So you, you have to kind of block everything out in a sense. They've got a job to do. It is their job to go in and win a game. So I'm sure they'll have spoken about it as a, a team and a squad. You know, it's probably why it was announced so early then you've still got the entire week to kind of get any issues aside and then you can concentrate on the game. But here, you know, we'll not know if they, they could have known it was coming, you know, and it, they've been well prepared for it, who knows? But I'm sure it won't, that won't affect their performance on Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, had this announcement come up months ago, then you could then, then they might drop um, down to us, etc. But they've been told, what, uh, or officially told on Tuesday, um, right, he's going at the, at the end of this game, so it's like, right, we know it's happening, Let's just um, try and um, win this game, you know, not feel so. I think that's what that's the message of Malcolm's trying to say that I'm, I'm going after the game, but give me one last um, send off and show me how good you are. Um, but similarly, Celtic at the other side of the way, let's say, look, um, <clears throat> no, we deserve some for this season. Last Sunday was disappointing the way it happened, but let's just use that as motivation. It's, it's just set up for, um, you know, an absolutely cracking game. Who do you think are going to be the main? Um, I mean, I know we're talking about two squads at 11 on the pitch, but who do you think the main players are going to be this weekend? I know there's a huge um, field to pick from. <laughs> do you want to go first? Or shall I? I don't mind. I'm going first, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I think, I personally think well, for Celtic, I, I really like Jacinta. I think she's class. I like the way she finds space on a pitch. Um, I think she just manages to find pockets and creates and then games I've been at this season um, I've seen her maybe being, sub- being rested and then coming on and the, just the instant impact she has so I think she's really really key to the way Celtic play I think they miss her when she's not playing and I think Caitlin Hayes just as we were speaking about earlier was you know a real deserved winner of that player of the year award because I think she's been important in front of goal for Celtic but she's also been important defensively yeah you could argue in a lot of games have maybe not had too much to do but when she's had to be there she's been there and I think she's done that at both ends of the pitch um, so yeah I think both of them will be key to Celtic on Sunday um, and obviously Flint I think you know she, she's she's found a bit of form hasn't she in front of goal seemed to be certainly against Glasgow City anyway you know she was on fire but I, I just think they've got a lot of things clicking right now. And then for Rangers, you know, um, you're probably they're probably going to be looking to the likes of Sam Kerr to try and make things happen, Brogan Hayware pace. Um, but obviously for them, you know, you, you've, they've got Kirsty Howe up front, but they're missing like the likes of Jane Ross, who's just a different type of player this season. So I think, I think personally, Celtic have got the better players on form at the minute. So... That's who I'd be watching, and that's just me watching games. Yeah, I would generally agree. From a Celtic perspective, I think Caitlin Hayes is crucial to that team. I think she does such an awful lot defensively 
obviously she scored goals set pieces she's massive for set pieces she's she sends those balls up to like Shen Meng Liu on that left hand side just you know with that precision so she's crucial I think I would agree with the other players that you picked out but one that's kind of a bit of a wild card that I've enjoyed watching in these last two big games is Shen Meng Liu in the middle of the park who's come on because you know we've, we are we are a side who at this stage in the season we have got a lot of injury issues um and Shen hasn't started a lot, but she's come on and she's really stepped up to the plate. And we've seen her do that in cup. She did that in the previous cup final that I was talking about. So I would keep an eye on her as well. Um, and I agree with you with Rangers. I think the other name that I'd probably pull out the hat would be Emma Watson, just because ever since she's come into that side, she's just been you know, again, she's one of those players that you don't want to have to play against. <laughs> but she's been amazing, hasn't she? But it's whether it starts her or not, she seems to be an out the team and out the team. So it's, it's. I know it's similar to Celtic, you know, that they've got players on the bench, but I think more for Rangers, they've certainly rotated a lot more. So yeah. if you don't know if she's going to be starting or not, but yeah, she's been a class young player for them. And I like how direct she is, you know, she, she has impact in most games she comes on to, so... She's got that kind of of confidence of like that young people have. (laughs) (laughs) Someone in their (laughs) forties. You can you just have to look at her the way she started her Scotland career. You know, first two games she could play the match and scored twice in the Hamden Davy. You know, she will not be faced by the um, the Hamden occasion Davy, especially having played there with Scotland recently. Yeah, no, absolutely. She's a top player. That's been the positive thing about me. Just this season, uh, despite the season maybe not going to plan from, from their perspective on the success front, they have fielded a few young players, uh, Watson, McCoy, uh, a few others that have been uh, hovering about the first team as well. But from Watson's perspective, she's enjoyed a, a globbing start for both Rangers and for Scotland. Uh, for Rangers, as, as Gable says, uh, it's just a case of whether Marky picks her or not every week because she's in and out of the team. And, Let's be honest, there's a lot of competition to, to, to start for Rangers, but exactly the same time. I think uh, I think Kirsty Watson, I think Watson uh, shows has got a lot of potential within the game. And, and uh, this will this is a this will be a big season for her because she's shown she can break through. Next season is about moulding herself into the team, trying to get a place in the start in the living for Rangers. It's gonna be a totally different manager. So preseason will be massive for, for Watson. It'll be an opportunity for her to to get known to what how the manager works and then ultimately try and get her place in the team and ultimately help Rangers to future success. It's certainly gonna be an interesting final. And then um, to wrap up, um we're not gonna do any sitting in the fence here. Who do we think is going to be winning the Scottish Cup? What's your predictions for the game? Sorry, you've put in this rundown predictions and hopes, so I'll give you both. <laughs> 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 of course, my hope is that Celtic win. <laughs> I think um, what Claire was saying about the way the game is going to play out. I think if you look over the, if you look at the head-to-head between these two teams over the whole of the season. Rangers do tend to have the ball a bit more. It's not like wildly more, but it they will probably have more possession. I also think these games between these two teams in particular can get quite kind of like a bit of a war of attrition type thing. You know, it's it's all about how they start and it'll be crucial to see who scores first and when when that first goal comes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Celtic are gonna win. <laughs> Do you, want, do you want an actual score for me? If, if you want, it's up to you. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, it, I can't because it might curse us. <laughs> okay. Right, Gemmel. You're a player um, and a former Rangers player. You're certainly not sitting in the fence here. <laughs> no, no, I won't sit in the fence. I think it will be a, a difficult game. That's just what I've been saying there. You know, I think they both get very different strengths um, as, as teams. So I, I do not to... I do think these games do come down to who turns up, who lets the occasion get too much for them. And you tend to find that, you know, and it's about who starts well, who scores first. But I think, you know, I think if Rangers apply themselves, I think they will they win the game because they tend to do have a lot more possession. They, they can, you know, use the ball well at times. It's just what they can create. So I think if they actually create from the possession they've got, then I think they'll win the game, but it's whether they allow Celtic to to find their way into the game, which I think will be very difficult if they do. But 
I'm going to go with Rangers one. Right, Dave. Um, it's up to you. Up to you now. Will we see um, classics like we've had in the last two Scottish Cup players, um, the Glasgow City Celtic in the last season, and the Glasgow City City and Hibs of 2019? Yeah, I, I think it'll be a fantastic game on Sunday, John. Uh, one thing that I'll add to what the, the, the girls have been saying there on the ladies, should I say, uh, I think if Celtic are going to be a threat, we'll be through set pieces because let's be honest, that's where Celtic go and get their goals predominantly, uh, especially against the better teams. But I think if Rangers can be more effective on the ball, if I, I fancy them to win. I mean, you cannot write off Celtic, not be any stretch of imagination, but I think Celtic, I think Rangers will win this one. Uh, I'm going to go two more Rangers. Well, I went with 2 2 in our group chat predictor after 90 minutes, um, but I've, I've said that nobody's allowed to sit in the face, so I think um, I think Celtic will win either next time or penalties. That's just my think. So uh, three teams have a trophy for the end of the Wait, season. You're, just, you're predicting more, more drama. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, haven't just, I, I know your poor heart probably can't take it just now, Claire. But um, I, I think, it, I mean, we all agree it's going to be a tight game. And what's good is that it's not just in BBC Alba who've produced fantastic coverage of the women's game um, for, for years, but it's also in BBC Scotland Channel as well. And that Jane Lewis will be presenting. So that's great to see as well to see the exposure going even further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, uh, there's still obviously tickets available, so obviously um, contact Rangers and Celtic to get tickets, and um, good luck to both sides. Um, I'll be attending as a complete neutral, um, because I don't support either team. I hope it's just a cracking game, but listen, thanks everyone for coming on, and um, good luck to both sides in the final. Thanks for having us. <laughs>